Wow, thank you, Emily. That was a blessing. If you brought your Bibles, and I hope you did, would you join me in opening them to Joshua chapter 5? Actually, 3, excuse me. Some of you may remember this text. You think, well, it wasn't that long ago that the pastor asked me to open up to uh, this chapter in Joshua. What's he got in store? I knew when I preached this from this text not long ago that I felt like it was going to be a very important text as we used it to navigate um, through this next chapter in our life and next chapter in our church's history. And I, I felt like it was important um, to go back and to revisit this briefly. I think there are just some great truths that I want us to be able to set our mind on and to be able to really focus on this afternoon as we uh, prepare to say goodbye to a building and say hello to a new one. In Joshua chapter 3, what we have um, are God's people now under the leadership of Joshua. They have come uh, really to the front door, the front doorsteps of the land of promise. Uh, and as they stand there, they are on one side, and the promised land is on the other side. But between them is the River Jordan. And it's at flood stage um, at that time of year. So they, they're standing literally just so close to this land they have been longing for and looking for and walking towards. Of course, you know, the generation before this one had wandered for 40 years and their bodies fell dead in the desert. And this was the new generation uh, that was going to be able to enter into the promised land. So Joshua leads them up to the river where they know they're about to knock on the door and they're about to cross over. But this, this, this flooded river stands in their way. And God has a very unique way of getting his people into the promised land. He wants them to be able to walk, literally, not on the water, but through the river. And I think that there's some very important uh, applications here for us, especially as we stand in this place that we stand today. I want you to see in verse 14 of chapter 3, So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And, a, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters came down from upstream, stood still, and rose in a heap very far away. So the waters that went down into the sea, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. I want you to think about these things for a moment. They, they didn't devise that scheme or plan up. That was given to them by God. God told Joshua, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to have the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which represented uh, the presence, the provision, the promise of God. He says, I want, the, I want the Levites to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and I want them to step their feet into the River Jordan. And when they do that, it's going to make it possible for all of the other people to be able to cross over on dry land. This is very different 
than they saw in their previous water crossing when they, when they left Egypt by way of the Red Sea. This one required them actually literally to get their feet wet initially and then for it to dry up rather than to see it dry up and take a step as they did at the Red Sea crossing. But I want you to think of five things really briefly this morning or tonight, this afternoon, one of these services. I want you to think of five things. And the first thing is found in chapter 3. Look at verse 4. God is telling Joshua, he says, There shall be a space between you and it, meaning the Ark of the Covenant, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. God, I want you to remember this morning that God brought them a new way. This path that they were on was one that they had never navigated before. They, were, they did not know where the next step was to come except that they were to follow the Ark of the Covenant. That the men in front of them were able to take the step and they were to be able to see that. They had never gone. They were not privy to all the pitfalls and all the holes. They had to absolutely trust God. And you know what, church? That's where God loves us to be. We serve and worship a God who is the king of new things. Everything God does is new. It's not just new, it's brand new, it's renewed, it's all new. God delights in taking you and I individually on new journeys, new paths, places where our experience doesn't cut it. He loves to take us in places that we've never been before, that we could understand and appreciate Him in a new and deeper way, so that we can trust His promises and apply them in a way that we never have before. And that's exactly what happened to God's people here. He tells them, he reminds them, you've wandered this desert. You know every other piece of real estate very well. You've probably seen every cactus, every sand drift. You have probably named every snake in that desert. But this way, you don't know. You've never gone this way before. Church, this is an exciting time for us. We're standing in a place, we're taking steps in a place that we have never gone before. Yeah, sure, after this is over, there's going to be an open house at that church. But you know what? None of us have worshipped in it as a church body like this. None of us have ever left this church like, we're, we're, this is a new experience. And it causes us to know, I don't know what is beyond my next step. It causes us to be able to say, God, I don't, I don't have the ability to navigate this on my own. I have to rely on you. This is an awesome opportunity for us to graduate to another level in our school of faith with the Lord, to advance even to another depth of our walk with Him. I want you to see the second thing. It wasn't just a new way, but in verse 15, it says, For the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of harvest. Don't you think Joshua could have said, God, couldn't you have brought us here, like, next season? God, couldn't you have, like, brought us here when there was a drought? I mean, that would have been nice, wouldn't it? To be called across a river in the midst of a drought. I would like that, but where would their faith be? You see, if we think that we're going to be able to navigate this without any challenges, we're wrong. There are and there have been, and I'm sure there are going to continue to be, challenges as we continue on this journey. But you know the great thing about it? There's never a challenge that is greater than our God. There's really not. 
And we stand to be able to benefit from the challenges that come because those challenges provide us new avenues to apply the truth and the promises of God. Those challenges provide us an opportunity to exercise wisdom and discernment in ways that we haven't before. There is incredible maturity that is to be had on our behalf throughout this entire process. It's a new way. It's a challenging way. We shouldn't shy away from it. We must realize that that challenges are a reality. In verse 17, it says, excuse me, verse 16, it says, The waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away. Third thing, this was a miraculous way. Now, guys, let me just stop here for just a moment, okay? If you were to look from the Israelites' perspective, they saw something that they had longed to see just over there. But between them and it stood this flooded river. And they knew that in order to get over there, they had to get there. And in order to get there, God had to make a way. Guys, I don't want us today to just come in here and and tip our hat to the past and and just say, you know, this this has been a great building and, and we're thankful for it. I want us to just really hear this well. God made this day possible. Guys, the cell of this building in his timing and in his way is literally a gift from God. We there was a season. We weren't sure what was going to happen to this building. Do you do you all know that? This building had been for sale for 12 years. There's some in this room that aren't even that old. This building had been for sale for 12 years with really no serious offers. And we got to the point that the building is only getting, you know, what's going on, God? Men and women were praying and had been praying and not seeing anything. But you know what? In God's time, you know what he did? He made things happen. This wasn't because the pastor was calling someone or someone very connected in the congregation was was calling so-and-so and making this happen. No, this was God's timing. This was literally God making a roof leak at one building and making interest perk in this building. I really believe that, guys. God made a way. This is a new way. We've never gone before. It's a challenging way. But praise God, it is a miraculous way as well. God made this happen. I told you this before. With the sale of this building and the the numbers coming back from the contractors after we send it out for bid again, we have an extra $1 million. We will, at the sale of this building on June 15th, have an extra $1 million that we weren't we weren't even planning on having one year ago. Now, you can't tell me that's not a God thing, guys. In fact, let's just go ahead and give God the glory for that right now. We're over halfway there, folks. Fourth thing. The waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away. I love this, guys. If you think about it, all of these great big things that God did with Joshua did not just affect Joshua and his people. If you look at this story right here, and they're getting ready to cross that river, and as those priests take that first step, what happens? The water stops. 
and it begins to heap up. Where? Very far away. So literally what God was doing right there at that place affected people upstream. It literally affected people quite a ways away. Do you remember when Joshua and the five kings were getting away and he runs up and he says, Sun, stand still, and moon, hold your place in the valley of Ajalon. Do you remember that? And it did? Those celestial bodies just literally froze. God held them in orbit so God's people could go and finish off the work of taking those kings out. Do you remember that story? The Bible says that it had stayed light for a whole day. You know what that means? It was dark for a whole day on the other side. What God did there affected literally the other side of the world. What God did here in freezing the Jordan or holding the waters of the Jordan back affected people that weren't even there. I believe what God is doing here. I believe this move for thing is a consequential move. I believe what God is doing here is going to have ripple effects in ways that we never saw planned for or could predict. I believe God's plans are always much bigger and better than ours. I, I wouldn't doubt God at all to believe that what he is doing here somehow, some way, sometime has the ability to affect the other side of the globe. I don't know how, but he does. And the final thing. In chapter 4, Joshua said to them in verse 5, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Not what do these stones mean, but what do they mean to you? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. They're there for. What God says is, I want you to take something out of this experience. It was a memorable way, friends. I hope that the lessons of faith that we have learned here don't remain here as we leave. I hope we take those lessons of faith that we have learned that have grabbed a hold of us. I hope we're able to leave here today and move having taken something with us, something substantial, something that we can turn to that next generation and impart to them, something we can hand off either our literal next generation or the spiritual generation that is to come guys we serve a great and awesome god and i know you know that and we're going to draw this down to a time of invitation this will be the the final response time in this place and you know i i don't know everybody's heart some of you i've just met for the first time we definitely don't ever want to make a decision based off of a building but you know what? It wouldn't surprise me at all. If God, even you just coming in this morning and sitting here, being here this afternoon, sitting there as God would use some of the memories of you growing up here. Maybe as you were growing up here or had your special encounters here, you know, maybe you had rejected many invitations and many opportunities to receive Christ. Wouldn't that be just like God to, to allow you to leave and to, to, to watch over you and to protect you in life and then to be able to bring you back to the place? To be able to hear the gospel that Jesus loves you, that he died on the cross for you. Man, to know that God never gives up on you, 
Man, some of you may have years and years in between the times that you've been here. But you know what? In all those years you were away, God never was. He always loved you. He was always reaching out to you. Today, I just want to ask you this. I don't know what this means for all of you, but I just want to ask you, are there any of you that have unfinished business? Let's just call it unfinished business. Maybe you'd rejected many invitations, many calls to receive Christ. Maybe you remember having vacation Bible school here and you knew, man, I I really need to to go up and be saved. God's tugging on my heart. And today you're feeling that all over again. You say, today's the day. Praise God. He has preserved me. He has watched over me. He has brought me back to this place today to hear the gospel, to remind me that he has never left me. He has always loved me. He has always sought me out. And today he extends that invitation. And as I do as well. If you want to start your relationship with Jesus Christ today, I want to invite you to come. Would you be willing to say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark of your standard of holiness. And I know and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay my penalty. And today, I I joyfully accept his finished work, his sacrifice for me by faith. I receive him as my Savior and Lord today, knowing he raised three days later and sits at the right hand of God if you have another decision to make rededication maybe you just want to spend some time in prayer tonight whatever that is church membership I pray that we would not delay we would respond as God leads on our heart father we've taken in a lot today been a lot of messages to our heart a lot of memories have flooded back into our mind God, all of those things aside, let us ask ourselves right now that you would cut through all of these other things. And we would ask ourselves, how is my relationship with Christ? Father, let us see how your spirit is working in our hearts today and respond as you call us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together this morning.